Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast sponsored by Yes Express. Today, we have a super special guest. I know I say that each week, but I'm always excited to talk to new people in our industry, hear about what they've learned on their journey and what they can share with us, right? As business owners, every single day, there's new challenges that come up. And I believe that others have already been through these challenges and they can give us a glimpse of how they solve problems in order to make sure that we don't have to have that same problem that could last for hours, days, or years. So having new people on the podcast is super exciting for me because I learn just as much as you guys do. So um, today we have the CEO of Castle Rocks Landscape Company. Uh, They're out here in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Now, the funny part about this is that we're not far from Allentown. So my practice master plan, we serve the same market. Yet we're still talking on a podcast, trying to understand each other and trying to help others with what we've learned. And even in the same market as quote unquote competitors, we just don't care. This is about serving people. This is about learning and teaching and growing as the as an entire industry. So he also has a, a coaching company as well, which I'm sure he'll tell us about as well to to help others in our industry to to slingshot forward and go there and, and get away from the, the things that happen in business. You know, those things you learn, the black eyes and the you know, broken bones and that kind of stuff. Try to get around those things so that we can get to the to the goal, the successes faster. So without any further ado, Scott Lezak, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. I'm happy to be here. This is going to be an awesome conversation. Uh, I want to start out, man. You just said something that I absolutely love, the quote unquote competition. Um, I love being in the same market as other people and networking with those people. We're all worthy opponents and there's so much work to go around that we can help each other more. So anyway, I don't want to steal the show here, but you said that I wanted to make sure I brought that up. (laughs) No, and that's what I love about you, man. It's just your energy. I'm already loving that too. But at the same time, when you're mission driven, you know, and, and you think about, hey, it's not just about how much can I get and take. But you start thinking it from a much bigger perspective of how much can I help others win? Because I've learned something along the way here, and it wasn't something very obvious in the very beginning, where I thought it was all about that. Like, okay, this is all about winning. And someone else has to lose for you to win. And then if you win a lot, you're successful. Where if you lose, then you're not successful. And the problem is, in that mindset, in that trap, you end up thinking like, hey, Someone else has to lose in this. And that means that someday that's going to be you too. So you start taking and you're not using your heart and your soul to drive your decisions. It's all about me, 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 right? And that will only get you so far. You're going to hit a plateau and you're going to get stuck there, not just financially, but emotionally as well. Now, I know you've had an interesting journey, but before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about background, how the hell you got into this industry and what lights you up each day to keep going? Oh, man. So I started in this industry in 2001. I was 14. Uh, so, you know, take take that for what it's worth starting in the industry. Um, but my yeah. passion to take something that didn't look good and make it look better started in 2001. Um, I was introduced to it. My dad was doing a homeowner project uh, at our house. And uh, again, don't take that term lightly. That would probably be a $350,000 project if we were building it today. There were boulders, uh, thousands of square feet of pavers, walkways, Hmm. uh, hundreds, if not thousands of plants. Don't even remember the count. So, I mean, it was it was a very big design build project. And uh, I Hmm. loved it. I love creating it. I love taking something that was rotten railroad ties and turning it into a rockscape. And that's where Castle Rocks came from. Um, and we, nice. we just really enjoyed that. Uh, and we started out as a hardscape company from there. I was, like I said, 14 and I wanted to buy a four wheeler. I wanted to buy a snowmobile. And I'm like, man, I have a skill set I can charge people money for. Let me, let me start putting some rocks around your bed. And I was driving around in a, uh, Kubota L3010 on the road with rocks in the bucket, <laughs> driving up and down the road, putting them around people's gardens. That, that was the roots of Castle Rocks because I wasn't old enough to have a driver's license at the time. Um, fast forward to 2004, which is when we really established a sole proprietorship under my dad's name as Castle Rocks Landscapes. 
um, we started recognizing in that three-year period we were making some money and we were uh, at the point that we should probably make it legitimate, get some insurance and do the right things with my dad's help. Um, so that was where Castle Rocks really started. And at that point, I was a junior in high school and I made the decision. I was either going to Penn State for landscape contracting with a design build focus or I wasn't going to college and I was going to keep running the company. But at that point, either way, I kind of knew Castle Rocks was going to be a big part of my future. Um, luckily, in hindsight, I got into Penn State because I think that would probably would have been uh, one of the biggest detriments to my career if I didn't have the education I have behind uh, the landscape that I do. Um, so I was at Penn State from 2005 to 2010. Uh, Landscape contracting is an absolutely awesome major. They have a design build focus that teaches you more in the res residential design aspect as well as build uh, plant ID, plant pruning practices, planting practices, all, all kinds of really good science behind it that a lot of the architecture programs don't give. So it's kind of catered to the people that are building the landscapes more so than designing it with a design flair. So you can, you, it's just really a, a dynamite package there. Um, and I also developed a love of trees at that point. So I have a minor in arbor culture. Uh, well, I'm one credit away, one entomology credit away from that official minor. So I say I have it. It's not on paper, though, to be transparent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I graduated 2010, December of 2010. And uh, February of 2011, we established Castle Rocks Landscape Company, the LLC that we operate under today. Uh, at that point, we got up to, uh, we were doing about 180 to 200,000 in revenue uh, by that point. And Learned a lot more about business, learned a lot more about asset protection and limiting our liability and what we had to kind of put in place. Uh, so my dad and I established Castle Rocks Landscape Company as a 50-50 LLC, um, and we've been operating that way ever since. Um, through that time frame, that was uh, really kind of the golden years, I would call it, 2010 to 2014. Uh, I was wearing every hat in the company. I was a crew leader, project manager, salesperson, designer, uh, you know, doing it all and running ragged to boot and uh, got to a point that I realized I wasn't sustainable for the rest of my life. Um, so I started learning about business. First book I got into was E-Myth. Um, and if you haven't been through E-Myth by Michael Gerber, still to this day, I've been through hundreds, if not thousands of other ones, still to this day, my number one favorite business book. Um, but that really got me thinking systems and processes. How do I build this out so yeah. I don't have to be the one there? How do I have checks and balances to keep people accountable? And, you know, the mindset started to shift from being Castle Rocks is Scott Lisak to Castle Rocks can be as big as I want. Castle Rocks can be as big as the horizon I see. And then once I get to that horizon, what's next? Let's let's figure that out. Let's see what else is out there. Um that time frame was tricky. I was getting knowledge and learned all about these systems and processes. And it was like, oh man, that's great. What's a system and what's a process? How do I, how do I develop those <laughs> and put them in place in my company? So that was the next step yep. of education I needed. I needed to figure that out. Um, through that period too, I was going through some personal challenges. Um, you know, I uh, am an alcoholic that's in recovery. I have been sober since June 1st of 2018. So coming up on four years here. Um, but through that time frame, I started noticing myself drinking more and more and I was getting by. I was staying steady, but I was definitely not growing at my full capability. And, uh, you know, by 2018, I really recognized that I was on a slippery slope. I, if I would have kept drinking at that point, I probably would have lost my family as well as the business. And it, it was just getting mm -hmm. worse and worse. So I made the life change um, of stopping drinking. And that was where everything changed. Um, from 2011 to 2018, we fluctuated between 200 and 400,000 in revenue, back and forth, um, you know, very stagnant. And uh, as anybody who focuses on personal growth knows, stagnation doesn't exist. If you're stagnant, you're actually going backwards. So um, right. th that time frame, we really, we were just struggling and um, doing well, but not doing great, not getting to the next level. In 2018, we did 267,000 in rev revenue the year I decided to make the change. Fast forward to 2021, we did 1.7 million. So it just really nice. escalated over those years. And with that part of the journey, um, you know, I loved it. I, I loved every minute of what I learned through the drinking, my failures. Uh, you made a comment earlier, you know, you have 500 mistakes for that one success. Well, the success doesn't come from that one success that everybody sees. The success actually comes from the lessons we learn in those 500 mistakes. 
And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I love the challenges I faced. It, it built me into the person I am today. It built the businesses that I operate now and the people that I have around me into what we have today. So that that's really a passion of mine now, seeing what I've done for myself and giving that back to our Castle Rocks team and as many other people as we want. I'm on a personal mission to elevate humanity. That simple, plain and simple, just elevate humanity in any way I can to sh- by sharing my personal experiences. Man, I got to say, you know, your your authenticity and your vulnerability right now is is putting hairs up on my arm because, you know, so many want to come in and they want to be like put on this facade of everything is great. I did this myself and all this bullshit. And you started with E-Myth and it's funny as hell because that was my first book, too, when it came to starting out systems and processes. And I sat there thinking, I think they had some kind of a, a story in there about a bakery or something. And they were talking about Sarah and her bakery, whatever, and how she was yep. going to systemize <laughs> this. And I thought they're sat there th- thinking could I systemize my business? Could I make it so that someone else could do what I was doing? And it opened up a story loop in my head and that I just became obsessed with the idea. And I'm so impressed that that was the same book that you started with. And I'd recommend any listener to go out and get E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's a phenomenal starting point if you're looking to start to systemize and create, you know, some kind of balance within your business. Uh, Incredible book. Uh, So that's amazing. And then on top of that, to see your own shortcomings, because even I, no, I wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself an alcoholic at the time, but I did like my drinks at the end of the day. And once I gave all that shit up, that's when everything started to grow. So I'd like to, if you're okay with it, I'd like to go into some of the struggles that you found with the drinking and how it, how it held you back and how you broke through that to finally say, fuck it, it's done. I need to do this. What pulled you forward? What broke that cycle for you? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I am an open book, very transparent. So, I mean, like, like I said, my mission of giving this back, uh, you know, comes with the territory of being transparent. So ask me any questions you want. Um, Yeah, it was really, it was a vicious cycle. Um, You know, it started in 2014, started well before 2014. Um, You know, I recognized I drank more than what other people did. So I surrounded myself with people that drank the same way I did rather than, you know, really Mm -hmm. pinpointing the root of the cause that I was drinking too much. It was just like, okay, well, if I go to this place at 3.30, that guy's already been sitting here for two hours. I'm doing better than he is. So, you know, yeah, all right, let's go talk to him. And, you know, surrounding myself with what I wanted to see, um, which goes both mm-hmm. to the backwards and the forward. So, you know, now I have shifted that to surrounding myself with like-minded people that are passionate about growth. And, you know, the, the lifestyle and the changes have been completely different. Um but yeah, with, with the struggles around drinking, um, that 2014 timeframe was really pivotal. Uh, I was engaged, uh, got married July 5th, 2014, still with my wonderful wife, Val. Um, we're building an awesome life now. Uh, but two weeks before our wedding, um, you know, I was I was drinking a lot and she came to me and said, you know, you, you got to stop drinking or I'm not marrying you. And that really hit home for me. That was like, oh man, like this is my dream girl. Um, I have one son out of wedlock, not with her, that we have almost all the time. And she was Mm -hmm. uh, rapidly becoming his mother. We had ambitions to have more children and we had ambitions uh, professionally that were really aligned together to, to grow together. And uh, I knew I didn't want to waste that. So I stopped drinking at that point. Um, the biggest problem with that was it was for her. It wasn't for me. I didn't want to be done drinking yet. I wanted to do it for her. I wanted to keep her happy. I wanted to keep, you Mm -hmm. know, my parents were involved. My family was involved. Uh, some of the guys at Castle Rocks were involved with it. And, uh, I wanted to do it for them. It was an ego thing. Well, look at me. I'm not doing this anymore. I I got this. We're good. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that, that day led me to my first relapse about six months later where I had a one day relapse and, um, you know, got to the point there. I was like, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I I really, this is not as fun as it used to be. I'm hiding from people. I I don't like this. Um, So that led me to a very challenging uh, point in my life. I had been going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings uh, for that six month period. I was not doing the work that needed to be done and, you know, blaming the outcomes on the program, not accepting responsibility for myself and, you know, what I was not putting into it. Uh, anything we do, we get, we get what we put into it out of it. And I was not putting enough into it to get anything Mm -hmm. out of it. Um, so that led me to about 18 months sober with no solution and, uh, not to go on too much of a recovery chant here, but, uh, you know, our, my problem, I view it as, is not alcohol. Alcohol was my solution. My thinking and my, uh, my processing was my problem. I had to learn a new way to think. 
Um, but I got that 18 month period that I took away my solution without replacing it. So I was on the surface fine, but inside eating myself apart. And uh, I put on a lot of weight through that time period. I got myself up to about 230 pounds and I was always a athlete physically fit. Um, And, you know, 180 is a normal weight for me. And I put on a lot of weight and got to the point towards the end of that. I was like, you know what? I think I can start drinking again. I think, I think I got this. And, uh, Went out to dinner one night, had one or two beers with that meal and didn't have any more. And I'm like, see, I got this. I, I'm not drinking out of control. I can control how much I'm drinking. And, um, you know, that, that was where the real downhill spiral started. And those two to three beers mm-hmm. went to, you know, three to four every single night instead of twice a week. And, uh, you know, then mm-hmm. I went to a six pack and went from a six pack of lager to a six pack of a double IPA at 12% because, you know, it's still six beers. You know, no big deal. It's the same thing, even though it's, you know, the mm-hmm. equivalent of a case. And, uh, you know, that, that was where it really started sliding. And that was where I started lying and manipulating, um, to myself more than anybody around me. But while I was lying to myself, that naturally evolved into lying to those around me because I believed myself. Um, so through that period, um, I was a firefighter for a while. I have some PTSD that stems from a lot of, uh, dramatic, things that I experienced. And I, I started having some struggles with that as well. And this is a 2017 to 2018 timeframe. And, um, you know, I, I got counseling for the, uh, PTSD. I was sober for a while there and actually starting to work a program through Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, the counselor I saw was absolutely awesome for PTSD, but he wasn't a drug and alcohol counselor. So at the end of my counseling, mm-hmm. he, he gave me the words of, I don't know that you are an alcoholic. I think you're suppressing some of this. Like, I, I think you might be safe to drink. And, you know, I would never fault him. I knew better than that from what I had been through in AA and everything like that already. And I already had some counseling around the drinking. And um, th- he just told my addiction exactly what I needed to hear, though. And it was like, oh, yeah, here we go. Off to the races. And that was that mm-hmm. led into just a two month slippery slope of off to the races. I started drinking in the morning. Sometimes I started drinking all day long sometimes. And that was when I really started getting to the point. Um, you know, we're literally talking four years to the day ago at this point. Um, I was hiding in a closet literally to drink, or I'd go down in my basement and take a couple big swigs of something potent and nobody saw me do it. So nobody's going to know it, you know, alcohol stays on your breath, you know, but I wasn't willing to Mm -hmm. admit that and lying to those around me that I wasn't drinking when I really was. And, um, it got to the point that I was, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. That was, uh, it it was about a year long transition that it was for me over for the people around me. But at that point it just solidified, like, I can't control this. I'm on a slippery slope. I need help. I need to be done with this. And, um, I chose to enter a inpatient rehab facility. That that was how it all started for me. Okay. I got there uh, June first mm-hmm. of 2018, and um, you know that was the first day I was there. I was off to the races for recovery. I knew I didn't want to drink again, um, and mm-hmm. uh, I was really taking it seriously. And that was where my radical personal growth journey took off. Uh, it had begun years ago, but it took off right. then. So that that's the shortened version of the alcohol story. I could go all day on that, but. <laughs> wow, dude, that's a powerful story. So question I have for you is, you know, you mentioned and, you know, some listeners may not know this, but, you know, when it comes to alcoholism or drug abuse or these kinds of things, we're trying to fill a hole. Right. We're trying to fill some gap in us with this alcohol or drugs or whatever. Did you what was the hole that you figured out? I and mean, you had to eventually figure it out. What was lacking that you were trying to fill it with the alcohol? Really, it was kind of filled with trying to be a perfectionist. That, that was one of my biggest ones mm-hmm. and being a people pleaser. I didn't want to let anybody around me down and I wanted to be perfect yeah. at everything I did. And the realization yeah. uh, had to set in that there is no such thing as perfect. Uh, today, right. my mindset has shifted from being the best to being better than I was yesterday today, every single day. And I want to constantly be better. It, it's an infinite mindset versus a finite. Yep, let's be perfect because the second we're perfect or think we're perfect, the second we think we're the best, somebody else is working twice as hard to take it from us. So we have to constantly be bettering yep. ourselves. And that was tough for me. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of the stresses from the company of, you know, wanting this multi-million dollar company that I didn't have yet and like kind of living the lifestyle mm-hmm. that I did have it, not financially, but m- mentally living the lifestyle that I did have it already. 
and uh, getting discouraged around that. And uh, I also created a lot of stress by not saying no. Um, I'd say yes to everybody and, you know, say yes to 15 different yeah. people to do something. And naturally you can only be one place at one time. So you're letting a bunch of people down and that stress itself compounds. Um, and you know, it, it's a lot, it's, I, I could keep going on the things that I've found you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, it's called character defects. Uh, I don't really like that term because, if it's a character defect, there's a negative spin on that, but it's just stuff that we have to adjust. It's challenges in the way that we process that we have to adjust. And I'm still finding stuff on a daily basis now. I, I will never end this process, but that, that's the root, uh, kind of one of the roots of it. That makes sense. Yeah, wow. Are you trying to grow your landscaping or hardscaping company, but find yourself making the same mistakes over and over and not sure what step to take next? Do you feel like your business owns you and you don't see a path to long-term happiness, growth, and sustained profitability? If this sounds like you, don't miss Outdoor Living Summer Camp. This live event will equip you with the lessons Cruz and I have learned from growing wickedly profitable seven-figure businesses while significantly reducing daily stress and preserving that sacred time with family. And as a bonus, we're also gonna teach you how to recession-proof your business so you continue to grow through any economic condition. Text FREEDOM to 33777 or follow the link in this episode's description to get more information on Outdoor Living Summer Camp. Tickets are limited, so get yours today. So if I'm a listener and I'm struggling with the same thing, what's some advice you could give me in order to help me start breaking those chains or, or just take the first steps? Like what, what advice would you give somebody listening that's struggling the same way you did? Talk to somebody else that's been through it. Uh, you know, what what we go through in recovery, everybody understands. And I really struggled with that at the beginning. Uh, I was compared to the alcoholic that was homeless under a bridge for years before they got sober. And now they're living a great life. And it's like, you're, you're the same type of alcoholic that guy is. And I'm like, well, I never lived under a bridge. How is that possible? And it's possible through the progression of the disease. It's possible through the progression. If you keep going, that's where you'll wind up. And having the conversations with people and having the conversations with people that are in a similar circle to you. So on a landscape podcast, reach out to me. I'll have conversations with you. And, uh, you know, I, I just had an employee a couple of weeks ago that was uh, having a tough time and pulled him out of the field for the day and uh, paid him for the entire day. It took him for a hike, took him out to have a picnic on a lookout. And uh, we talked about what the seriousness of alcoholism is and it's not you. You can keep drinking. That's your choice. But if you want a better life, if you want to better yourself and you can't stop drinking, the answer is you have to stop to get any further. Otherwise, you're just going to keep spinning in circles um, and having a conversation with somebody that understands that is the best. I struggled when my parents, my wife, you got to stop drinking. This is ridiculous. They didn't understand what I was going through inside. When you talk to somebody that understands yeah. what you're going through within and why you're actually drinking, it makes a whole, a big, big difference. Got it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, anybody out there listening, you know, Scott, he'll give us some information at the end of this episode. If you want to reach out to him, please do. He's a, he's a man of his word and yeah, anything you can do guys listening or, or girls listening to, you know, get this under control is going to be huge. Um, but anyway, um, I appreciate you sharing that story. That's, that's so powerful, especially in contracting. You know, there's a lot, I remember coming home and my, my goal was that, that Corona with the frozen glass and the lime. And oh my God, that was like my thing. And I worked all day long thinking about that. And I'm like, after, you know, after I, I mean, I barely drink now. So it's like, you know, after I'm thinking, holy crap, why was that my reward for the day? <laughs> I, mean, I feel like like an idiot. I'm like, why? What kind of mental trash is up there that that is the reward? Coming home to see my family, that's the reward. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, but it's crazy how we wire this. So what I want to get into a little bit with you is how did you rewire your mind around alcohol, around not needing it anymore? Like, And I know there's a lot. You you talked about having a, a, a massive change in the way that your mindset ran, right? So how did you even start that? What did it look like? And how did you make that rewiring? Well, I mean, like I said, the, the journey started in 2014. So we have a four-year gap here before I actually became sober. And a lot of people yeah. don't consider that time as progress towards your recovery. I fullheartedly dis okay. disagree with that concept. I made so much progress over those four years, even though I was drinking regularly sometimes, drinking intermittently other times and having that 18 month period, I wasn't drinking at all. 
I was learning. I was learning about myself. I was learning about recovery. I was making big mistakes like missing appointments or not coming through on deadlines because of the alcohol affecting me. And those are some of those challenges that lead to success. I saw what that was doing. And mm-hmm. on some subconscious level, I did not want to be doing that anymore. And that was where it really started to shift for me. Um but getting the right influences, getting yourself surrounded with people. It's so easy to go into an AA meeting or go into any of those meetings and say, oh, I can't identify with that guy. I don't understand what they're saying. That's not me. Focus on the similarities, not the differences in everything, not just AA meetings. Pick out books and focus on the similarities, not the differences. If we're focusing on the differences, we're holding ourselves back. You could read a book that takes you 10 hours to read. And there could be one impactful message in there for you and thousands of that, them that were not. And that one impactful message could literally change your life. So look for those similarities. Yes. And um, that really, that statement right there is the root of where the personal growth started. I looked for similarities and then I started feeling better. And then I got to a point that I could start helping other people. And that was where it really kicked off to me. You know, philanthropy, we all know about donating money and giving to charities and things like that. Philanthropy can also be intellectual knowledge. Philanthropy can also be helping somebody that's in your shoes where you were in the past and bring them up. So I started taking a philanthropic approach to it and really looking at how can I help other people? Because that brings me fulfillment. I am on a mission to Mm -hmm. elevate humanity. So that really is my personal life mission at this point. And uh, my personal growth, my recovery revolves around that. And, um, you know, that that in a nutshell is where it went from there. Reading books, you know, John Maxwell is incredible. If you haven't read every single one of John Maxwell's books three times, you should get start getting cracking. Um, But, you know, Mm -hmm. reading books and reading about people that are passionate about bettering themselves, passionate about leadership, passionate about communication and learning all those intricacies. It gets to a point that. Or for me, it got to a point that I was so fulfilled with the knowledge I had to create good that I had nothing to suppress anymore. I didn't want to drink because it detracts from what I can do. I'm at, you know, today, currently, I'm at such a good spot mentally. And the days that I'm not at a good spot, which still happen all the time, too, that's, that's something that we can't negate. I have tools and resources available to get beyond that. But I feel so good that I know the second I would pick up a drink again, I wouldn't feel as good as I do anymore. And I don't I don't want to do that. So as the personal growth continues to blossom and continues to accelerate, mm-hmm. you, you almost get a healthy addiction to it, wanting more and more and more and keep going in the right direction instead of the wrong one. Brother, you couldn't have said it any clearer. Holy crap. I mean, my personal journey, you know, sends the the addiction side of it. But, uh, you know, it was very similar in the way that, you know, there's this awakening like, holy moly, what's possible? What's possible for me? Like, can I help more people? And my mission is to impact and empower as many human beings as I can and during my lifetime and beyond. Right. So very similar. And once you get into that peak state mindset and that peak energy mindset and feeling everything just brings you down. Sugar brings me down, you know, alcohol. If I have a drink and then I'm like, all right, it tasted good. Cause I think it's good with dinner. You go to a fancy restaurant, I was just one in, in, in Arizona. And I like, they, they specialized in, in bourbon. I'm like an old fashioned would be amazing. I drank one of those. And the next day I felt like shit. And I'm like, I just paid to feel like shit. You should know better than this, right? And that was one drink, right? Because I'm I'm running at such a high high you know energy level and and all of that. And I'm like, why would I want to slow it down? It's like putting a 50 pound backpack on and saying run. It's like you don't need to put the backpack on. You can just let it go and just be free and clear and run. But you're right. Once you get addicted to peak state, even the bad days aren't that bad. Yep. Right. Do you have to go back into your toolbox, as you mentioned? So I want to go into your toolbox, if you don't mind. And what are some of the places you go, things you do in order when you're having just a really rough fucking day and you start? You probably think about it. I know you wouldn't do it, but you think about like, oh, man, I remember alcohol was always a way to fix that. Like, what are some of the tools you pull out of your toolbox that help you get through so you can get to the next peak state or to that that level again? Well, every day starts with a routine for me. And when I say every day, it's not actually every single day. It's my off days. I usually miss my morning routine or some some part of my morning routine. Um, but let's let's talk about this on a good day. Um, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I say a prayer. I firmly believe that our happiness, our well-being and our personal growth revolve around five things. That's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual and financial health. 
And I focus on all five of those principles every day. And I'm not saying physical health, like, you know, working out and everything like that. I do work out and I do eat healthy, but just the physical, us physically being present as well as being in physical mm-hmm. fitness health. Um, so that helps a lot. And having that ingrained in our routine every day is a foundation for this. Um, but when I wake up in the morning, I say a prayer. Um, you know, thanking my higher power for the day and asking for help in anywhere that I need help or asking for guidance in areas that I haven't even seen yet. And, uh, you know, I spent a couple minutes just praying in bed. And from there, I get out of bed and I instantly make it. Uh, whether my wife is still in bed or not, I'll make my half of, bed of the bed if she is still in bed. And she actually does the same thing with me, too. If I get out of bed after her, then her half is already made. So we just kind of do that to start the day with that accomplishable task. I'm sure a lot of you have seen the the video. I forget the guy's name, but the the Navy SEAL Admiral who has a great Mm -hmm. speech on YouTube about making your bed first thing in the morning. That's what inspired me to do that. Yep. Um, After Mm -hmm. I make my bed, I get down on the floor and do 30 pushups. Then I go brush my teeth. That is my morning routine almost every single morning. And like I said, the days that it's not my routine, I notice it and I, I feel it. Um, Mm -hmm. so that sets me, that regulates me, that gets me started with, you know, the physical aspect, the mental aspect, the spiritual aspect and borderline emotional aspect as well, depending on what happens in some of those prayers and all four of those principles builds onto the financial side. Then, um, from there, I focus the rest of my day on the outcome rather than the income. I want to make an impact. I want to, what am I doing that is moving me towards my purpose, my life mission, what is is the task that I'm working on right now taking me towards my mission or away from it? If it's away from my mission, then yep. it's time to switch the task and figure something else out. Um, with that, yep. I keep a gratitude list. I like to write down a minimum of five gratitudes every day and not talking about like the I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my family, grateful for my life. Like, of course, yes, we're all grateful for that. But I'm talking like dig into nitty gritties. You you get to a stop sign that you normally roll through and you come to a complete stop that day and somebody blows it in the opposite direction. Instead of flipping that guy off, be really grateful that whatever power made you stop that day made you stop instead of getting into that accident and you know finding the yes. gratitude in seemingly negative or challenging situations. Um, also look at what I do to bring value around me. You know, In addition to what my purpose is and what my mission is, what am I doing to create value? Am I bringing value to my team? Am I bringing value to my clients? Am I bringing value to LinkedIn with my LinkedIn posts? And what what do I have that I'm giving? Because it gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you a sense of internal acceptance for yourself that, wow, I am worth this. I am doing good things. I do have value. So, you know, those are a couple of the small ways. I also, instead of listening to music, I'm a drummer. I love music. I love playing drums. But instead of listening to music mm-hmm. while I'm driving, I listen to audiobooks. You know, that that is the nice. in Zig Ziglar's terms, the uh, uh, what does he call it? Rolling University or, you know, the, the Highway University or something <laughs> like that. You know, I, yep, I love yep, it. Yep, yep. And I'm always listening to audiobooks, yep. getting as much information in as I can. I love that, dude. I love it. And, you know, how has that I mean, it probably already asked the answer, but how has just doing the things you probably don't want to do every morning, but doing them anyway, how has that changed the rest of your day? Like, how does that how does that impact? Because it sounds like I can get up, make a bed, not a big deal. I can do a couple push ups. I can go brush my teeth like not that big a deal. But how does that impact your day by staying true and disciplined to that? It, it impacts every day differently and more, you know. Yeah. Get up one day and make your bed, do 30 push ups and go brush your teeth or something like that. The following day, you're going to be like, man, that guy, Lisa was full of crap. I'm really sore today now. My pecs hurt. My triceps hurt from those push-ups. What's this guy talking about? It's not necessarily about the tasks. It's about the routine. It's about the mental discipline and what it takes to actually do that routine every day. It is the discipline, self-discipline that you create around recognizing when you miss it and taking the accountability for saying, I missed that today and I'm off. What can I do to reset now? What can I do to bring this forward? Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of, yeah, I I guess that's the answer to that. (laughs) 
Dude, and I love that, and I love it, and it's so stupid simple. It took me almost 40 years to realize this, right? And what you're saying is is almost carbon copy to what I do in the morning. I mean, we have a little bit different rituals, but it's it's right away. It's first thing. There's no, like, I'm going to get up and go do something else, and I'll come back to it. Fuck no. It has to be right then and there. You get up, first thing I do is I thank God for another beautiful day that I get to impact and empower more people. Thank you. Please help anybody that I can come in contact with today or whatever. Like, even having a podcast right now and hopefully changing some souls out there right now just by that spoken word is already a blessing, and I'm sorry so grateful for this conversation, right? But getting up, starting off with that prayer, thank you, you know, grateful to start with and then go down and read and I meditate and I do all these things in the morning while the house is still and I go for a walk with my wife and we talk about our day and then we come back and I do, I have these things that I do and then I run and then I get in a cold shower. And to be quite honest with you, most days I don't want to do any of them. Yep. Right. (laughs) But it's proving to ourselves every single day that we'll do shit that we don't like that gives us the discipline to push through anything that life throws at us. Cause I don't know about you, uh, Scott, but me, there's days that things hit me and I'm like five years ago, I would have buckled to my knees. And now I look at him like, give me more bitch. Give me more. Yep. You can't possibly hurt me. Cause I am prepared. I am a rock solid piece of granite today because I started with those rituals. Did you find that to be true? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I yeah. have so crazy. I've built a life beyond my wildest dreams. I was promised that when I got into mm. recovery, I, I, somebody told me, you never have to feel the way you feel today. Again, it, just keep working towards yeah. progress. Keep working away from a drink that was told to me. And now this yeah. goes far beyond yeah. drinking. You know, this, this is life betterment at this point. And this is personal mm, growth at sure. this point. But it's so true. We put the efforts in and we build a life beyond our wildest dreams. And what that means is we can't even see it. You know, sky's the limit. We've all heard that before. That's another one of those statements. I used to use it all the time. But sky's definitely a limit. What's after it? I want to see the moon. I want to see the stars. I want to see the rest of the universe. I want to see what's beyond the outside edges of what we comprehend as the universe. And that's what building a life outside of or beyond our wildest dreams means, because we can only see the horizon right now. But once you get to that horizon, guess what? There's another horizon beyond it. So keep moving and keep moving forward. And, um, you know, there are times that I still react poorly to situations, but it's not nearly Mm -hmm. as badly as it would have been before I started this journey. And the best part about it is. I'm self-aware enough to recognize it and say, oh man, that was a terrible reaction. Do I owe myself an apology? Do I owe that person an apology? Is it not an apologetic thing and just a reaction that I had? Like, what do I have to do to make this right? And that's instantly, subconsciously where my mind goes every time. As soon as you feel, you know, we get that like burning in our chest when you know you did Mm -hmm. something wrong or you start getting stressed or something like that. As soon as you feel that, it's like, well, okay, time to reflect what just happened. What, What do I need to do to correct this? I don't feel good right now. And that not feeling good is a million times better than anything I ever felt at probably my best while I was drinking, while I was in my darkest times. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. And you know what I've found, and you could tell me if you found this too, but my level of success was directly correlated to how much discipline was in my life. And when I say discipline, it's those rituals and they don't have to be crazy. You know, you've heard Scott's here where he makes his bed, he does 30 pushups. And if you don't do that, then do 10, five, one, whatever. And, and do something each day. And there's going to be days you don't want to. It's when you do that. I was out for a run this morning and I watched that gatekeeper of my mind and I'm out running. I don't do crazy distances anymore, but I was out running. I typically do about two miles in the morning to get focused, to get the blood moving. Everything's great. And at a certain point, my mind's like, hey, you could just do a shorter run today. It still happens, right? And I'm like, oh, you don't know who you're talking to, <laughs> right? So I'm like, we're going for a longer run. And then it's like, oh, well, you don't have to go up that one big hill. And I'm like, oh. Here we go again. <laughs> Up the hill we go. And then it got to the top. It said, oh, you can take the easy ride back. I'm like, pipeline it is. <laughs> Up and down the pipeline, right? But it's it sounds insane. And if you're on a runner out there, that's fine. But find something that when you see your mind coming up and trying to make it smoother, simpler, faster, easier, that you stop and you're the gatekeeper and you say, no, because I cannot grow and help more people or whatever your mission in life is if I keep giving in to my whims, if I keep giving in to the, the easy solution. It's when you say easy. Yeah, no, we're going to go this way and doing it right. And I know we've talked a thousand times about cold showers on this podcast, and I absolutely hate it every day. I hated it today when I got in there. But I tell you one thing that gets you jacked pretty quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. And it's something that when you hate it, you do it. And you're like, the rest of the day is going to be easy now. <laughs> right? But 
But my bigger point here is you don't have to listen to what we're doing. Whatever works for you, it's setting a a set of rituals and they could be stupid small. I read a book. It was called Micro Habits or something like that. And what it said is if you want to do 100 pushups, commit to only one a day. If you want to run 10 miles, commit to running for five minutes or whatever it might be. If you want to read a book, commit to one page a day so that the habits habits are so small that even on your worst day, you could do them. And then you don't miss because a lot of times with goals, we set these monster goals. We got to read a whole book in a day. And then we sit down in our mind somewhere else and we sit up. Oh, look, I'm a failure. I can't do it. But if you have these micro goals and you set them up, maybe it's one. Maybe you're listening to this. You're like, I want to do I want some of this stuff. And trust me, it's good stuff. Right. And it's free. <laughs> That's the best part. And you can't get better than this. Right. But you can take that one piece and say, OK, I really want to get into my physical shape. I want to get better. I want to get stronger. I want to have more energy. I'm going to just commit to one or two push ups a day. You commit to one or two, not one or two. <laughs> you know, you commit to that number or if you're going to whatever you're going to do, maybe it's that read that book. You commit to one thing. Then maybe tomorrow you add what's called, you know, uh, habit stacking. You add another small thing on top. And then you're like, you know what? I really want to learn about this whole mindset thing. So I'm going to get this book and I'm going to start. There's a course I'm going to take with it. And I'm going to commit to one lesson a day. You know, when I was learning German, my wife's from Germany and my kids both are fluent in German and English and all of that. So I was always the oddball out. And my goal was to be able to be dangerous. I don't know if I'll ever be fluent, but I'd be dangerous. Right. So I started to work with Duolingo. Right. It's an app on your phone. And I said, all right, well, I want to learn this so much because I want to be part of the conversations when we travel abroad and I want to understand what's happening. So I committed every day to one lesson of Duolingo. And the craziest part, just like with reading and everything else, and you can back me up on this, pretty soon it's like four lessons in and I'm having a good time or I'm reading and it's a half hour later and I got 30 pages done and I'm like, what happened? I only committed to one. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like it's you start getting excited about it. And I did that for 750 days straight that I did Duolingo. Right. And I'm like, you know what? Then I I switch my habits again and I put something else in its place. So the crazy part is they only have to be little. That's my biggest thing. Don't get crazy. Go little. Just start doing. But do them. The discipline is in the doing. That's the big thing. That's where the growth comes from. But man, I love that your stories, we have similar stories yeah, that way. I, what you just said could have come out of my mouth too. I love that. You know, we have we I have know. these big goals. <laughs> I call them milestones. I'm like, start creating the milestones. So yeah. if a year is too long, break it down to a month. If a month is too long, break it down to a yeah. week. If a week's too long, go a day, minute, second, you know, however small you got to make it yeah. to make it palatable. And, uh, you know, I I just I love everything you had, what you just said there. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And you know what? And I I know that both Scott and I can admit on this. But when you start looking at people that are successful, right, that we consider successful, you know, whatever success means to you. For me, it's about freedom. It's about being able to spend time with my family whenever I want and travel when I want to and to impact and empower people's lives and to to be me all the time. And not have to put any kind of, you know, cloaks on or any kind of thing. When you talked about saying no earlier, I struggle because I'm a recovering people pleaser, too. And I thought that the answer always was saying yes and then either not being able to deliver it or putting the over expectation on myself, which stressed me the hell out, which is when I I couldn't wait for that Corona at the end of the day. Right. Or I couldn't wait to, to sit down and overeat at the time. You know what I mean? Just eat as much as I could. So eventually getting better at saying no is important, right? And that that's changed my life as well. It's a whole nother podcast. But <laughs> the point is that we start noticing the people that we respect. We start seeing that success leaves clues. And all the successful people that I follow, that I really respect, my mentors, I have coaches on just about everything I do now. I'm smarter than I was when I was younger, right? And I look at them and I look up to them and I say, what do they have in common? And they all have that same thing in common. They have the discipline. They have the rituals. They have the, the most of them don't drink, you know, no, no, no drugs, none of that kind of stuff, because they know that just slows them down. Right. But it's, it's knowing that. But looking at them saying, what's the commonality? Another big one here is religion and spirituality. Now, regardless of what that means for you, it's knowing that there's a higher power, whether you call it the universe, you call it God, whatever you call it, that there's a higher organizing power that is out there. And that's that's what I find is the, the, the thread through all the successful people. So I'm like, OK, if I want to be successful like them, why don't I just do what they're doing? You know what I mean? And next thing you know, you get a taste of it and you're like, shit, this is great. Like, why, why didn't somebody tell me about this? And then you start living your life that way. And then you start having an amazing podcast with an amazing person. You know what I mean, it's, it's incredible how the universe lines that stuff up. I, I love what you said about spirituality there too, man. And that, you know, real quick uh, yeah. for the agnostics out there and the people that don't believe in religion at all, 
what I always yeah. do with my clients, if I encounter that, what I do with people in recovery when I encounter that is, what is the worst thing saying a prayer can do to you during the day? The w- absolute worst thing, mm-hmm. the answer to that is, you're having a conversation with your subconscious mind and whatever you're praying about, if you do it for long enough, is gonna develop into a habit subconsciously instead of consciously. Start there, start developing yep. habits if you can't get yep. around the spirituality. Yep. And I promise you 100% you will have spiritual experiences after you start praying and start getting involved with that spirituality. But you don't have to believe in the higher power right off the bat, just start praying to something. It can be the bottom of the chair you're sitting in right now. It can be the tire on your car. I don't care what it yep. is, but start praying to something and you'll be blown away yep. at what starts to change and what starts to happen. 100%. And if praying sounds too religious, just meditate. Anybody can shut their eyes and listen to somebody talk and it's chanting or music or no sound at all. Just be in your own mind for a while and that can be your spiritual peace. You know, I have a, a kind of a jaded, uh, you know, life with with uh, Christianity and all that starting out with, you know, being in church and my mother made me go to church and I never liked it. It was old fashioned and stuffy and all this kind of stuff. And I, I was like, man, as soon as I'm out of the house, I'm not doing this anymore. And then I went through most of my youth where I didn't go to church. That was not my thing. Like, I just wanted nothing to do with that. And I questioned a lot about higher power and God and all of that. And I questioned a lot of it. And, you know, but there's still something inside of me with it. But I didn't I don't know. I I would probably be more agnostic at that point. You know what I mean? Like, I just I didn't like connect or identify with any of the different structured religions out there. I was just like, man, it's just about energy. It's just about something bigger, powerful, whatever. Um, And it's only been probably the last four or five years that I've really come back full circle and I've been coming back into it and not because I've been forced to, but because I have bigger questions and, you know, some of the the religious teachings, regardless of what it is, or even the concepts that are taught in the Bible and these different, uh, you know, holy books, they're all about just trying to teach people how to live a good life. Right. You just take the, the characters out of the story. Just think about the story and its mass itself. And it's a, the, the, the overall meaning of that story. It's, it's more about just trying to have people be good to each other and, and lessons learned and all that. If we look at it from that side, it becomes different. So I'm on a journey now back into spirituality, into religion, because of you know, I have two young sons now and I want to make sure they get the choice to make, not be forced. And I never was forced, but, you know, not to, to, to have a certain like you have to believe this. Because I, I believe that people will believe what they want. And if they're in the environment, they have their own rights. My young sons have their own rights to make their own decisions on what they think is true and not true. And they will eventually, their path will take them in the direction they have to go. But give them the perspective, the option, the, 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 the ability to make that decision for themselves. But give them the environment for it. But anyway, I kind of went on a tangent there. <laughs> but the point is that it's, it's, it's in and out. But to your point, you know, now I wake up and, and that's the first thing I do is just thank God I did it this morning. Thank you for the energy in my body. Thank you for this one more day. Thank you for, for, for everything in my life because I know that it doesn't have to be there. It's there for a reason, right? So, uh, dude, I can go on for days with you. <laughs> we can just keep going. <laughs> We're so um, similar, man. Like I'm 10 years. I grew up I going know. to church about 10 years ago, started doing it again. And like, oh, man, I just, oh, it's, wow. it's, it's wild. <laughs> I have two sons. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. That's it, dude. Yeah. You're not far from me. We have to have dinner. Absolutely. That's it. Let, let's get together, man. We got to do this. <laughs> As soon as we're done with the podcast, we're going to jump on that because, man, I, I got to I got to spend more time around you. It's just too funny. It's like we're looking at clothes. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So I'm sure we'll have you back in the podcast at this point. But so uh, we're running to the end of the uh, the run here. So, Scott, how can people find you? What can they how can you help them? You know, give us a sense of, of where you are, how they can help and where they can find you. Absolutely. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody. I enjoy making uh, building my network, getting to know my network in, and I just enjoy sharing my story with anybody. I'm an open book. I'm transparent. Um, I'd be lying to you if I told you I never tell a lie, but I try and recognize whenever a white lie or anything comes out of my mouth and kind of, uh, get back to that. That is one of my biggest things that I just, uh, you know, don't get caught up on lies and everything like that. Um, so reach out to me. LinkedIn's a great spot. Scott, S-C-O-T-T, Lesak, L-E-S-A-K. Uh, feel free to follow me, connect with me, um, you know, send me a message. I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, you can also email me at uh, Scott, S-C-O-T-T, at myinspireyou.com. And that is uh, my consulting and coaching company that I have. And um, I am also the co-founder of Peak Peer Groups. Uh, feel free to look uh, us up on LinkedIn as well to stay tuned for some upcoming events. We have some site tours coming, 
including one at Castle Rocks in Allentown, Pennsylvania, July 10th through the 12th. Um, and all these events are just about personal growth and relating it to business then because everything that we do in business starts with us. We have to change. If you are having a hurdle, uh, flip the lens around and look at yourself. There, There's something inside of you that you can change to get beyond any of the hurdles. Um, again, I could just keep going on this. So if you want to keep talking, reach out to me. I sincerely mean it. Love to have a conversation with you. Scott, I appreciate that so much. And anybody out there that's struggling with anything, you know, uh, based on what we talked about today or in general, you know, reach out to Scott. He's an incredible human. You can reach out to me too. You know, we're here to help. That's what we do. That's what we love to do. That's what brings us fulfillment and, and it's our passion. So don't feel like, you listen to a podcast, they're all over there. They wouldn't have any time for me. You know, I coach people around the country, not just on sales and design, but also, you know, in, in uh, mindset, you know, and I'm so privileged and so blessed to be able to have these, these men, and women in my life in order to help them lead a better life. And the things that I learned along my journey help some and the things that Scott learned along his journey help others. And that's why there's no, and I just go back to this because it's such an old mindset of this, of this competition. Like, Hey, we're actually competitors in the same market doing design build. And now we're competitors in the, the consulting space too. What the hell? Why are we talking? We should be like putting big X's in front of me. It's like, no man. If like, wow, cool. I know exactly now I understand Scott. So if I have somebody that I'm talking to and I think Scott's a better move, I'm like, Hey, go talk to Scott. He's going to be able to help you faster. Right. That's the goal. We can all share. That's the beautiful part about this whole thing. It's all about empowering people and getting them, helping them get to the next level. It's not about trying to take as much as you can for yourself. And if you take that idea and bake it into your daily routine and your daily mindset, the world explodes with possibility because it's not about you anymore because the secret to living is giving. And this is giving others the opportunity to have the best. And maybe it's not you. Maybe your client in, in their project isn't the best fit for your company. Imagine if you just gave it to somebody else who you knew was a perfect fit for it. Things change. Life changes when you start doing stuff like that. So, Scott, any other words of wisdom before we wrap up? Just here? to piggyback off of what you just said, make sure you are focusing on the outcome rather than the income. And you will have more income coming in than you could ever dream possible once you fully embrace that concept. I love that, brother. I love it 100%. And we, yes, we are definitely doing dinner. There's no doubt there. So <laughs> everybody, thank you for tuning in here to, uh, you know, to the Outer Spaces podcast. Um, as you know, and you've heard lots of times here, our goal is to impact and empower, you know, 2 million people in the next, uh, well, it's little under four and a half years. We're well on our way to that because of the amazing contributions that you guys have been giving and the, the, the open kindness of your heart to be sharing this with people. So if this episode really resonated with you and you know somebody in your life that you know that they could really help by, could be helped by hearing this message and hearing this conversation, please share it. It's, it's, if that's the, the minimum you can do for somebody today, just imagine how powerful that could be. If this is the reason why just hearing Scott's words or my words or the fact that you shared it, that they are going to be able to start thinking about opening a story loop in their head like maybe it's possible for me maybe it's the drinking side right maybe it's possible for me to stop and start my journey forward like scott did or whatever it might maybe i want to get some discipline in my life so i can take my business to the next level because i'll tell you guys no discipline equals no growth so whether you like it or not that discipline has to happen so the question is what does it look like for you if you need help with that both Scott and I can help you with that. Reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to teach you how to set up discipline in your life so you can get to the next level that you want to go. We're here to help. Thank you guys for listening. And until next week, peace out. 